What's up, guys? Max here back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're all doing great. I'm rocking my Okinawa ramen shirt today. Get yours at scuttlebuttshow.com. What's up, Larry, Eric, Nuggets, Ed? T- I saw Tiffany in there. We got Eric, the other Eric. We've got uh, Ika. Welcome, Ika. Always great to see you. Alex, what's up? Good day, Max. Hope your weekend was a great one. I had a good weekend. I hope everybody else did too. It was nice being out there, uh, uh, you know, out here doing the recovering from the stair climb this weekend on the, on Saturday, which was uh, the 11th. I watched some of the uh, memorial stuff and, you know, did my remembrance. And, uh, and then Sunday just kind of hung out and I worked on that music video. We ended up not doing a music video on Saturday. We ended up doing it on Sunday and it's, uh, it's, we only, we got kind of shut down by the location a little bit. So we have to go back next weekend and finish it. Sorry if you guys were looking forward to the story on that, but that's what kind of happened. It turned into chaos. Um, we did get some shots done. Sorry, there was no pump up music today. My wife and I share a Spotify account. When I logged in to go start playing the music, it shows me that she's listening on her phone somewhere else. So I can't jump in and turn off her tunes. That would be shady to do. Justin, what's up here for the daily stew check-in? Oh my gosh. We have a crazy show today. Love your ramen shirt. So awesome. Thank you. Everyone like, and share the stream. Let's get the stream popping today because today's episode is full of drama. Today's episode is out of control drama. I mean, I'm ready for the death threats after today's episode. It's going to get wild because we have to talk about Stu Scheller. We have to talk about a copycat Stu Scheller. And we have to talk about this drone strike in in Afghanistan. We're going to go over, we're going to watch some videos today, you guys. We have some things to watch, some things to talk about. I'm going to be doing some analysis of what I think happened with this drone strike. If you guys haven't heard the news about you know, we, we, they, they declared that they saved American lives with the drone strike in Afghanistan. The Afghanis said, came back and said actually seven civilians were killed. And now New York Times has done a great story on this whole thing. Some really good investigative journalism. We're going to watch this video and talk about it. Eviana is the, their graphics on the back of the shirt that I'm wearing is there. Check it out right here. This is the uh, ramen, Okinawa ramen shirt that I, uh, my wife and I actually, she helped me design this. So if you're interested in repping some Okinawa Japanese ramen, then you can get this shirt at scuttlebuttshow.com. By the way, there's a huge merch drop coming, a huge merch update coming. It's going to be crazy. And if there's time today, we've got a stolen valor to talk about. If there's time, stolen valor, if there's time. Now, let me hit you guys with kind of a unique about yesterday. So we got to talk about yesterday and I don't know if you guys have seen this. If you have, you're welcome for getting to see it again. But there is a video that I have become aware of that has changed everything. Let's watch it together. Check this out. I saw this off of TikTok and I pulled it down. We're going to watch it. If you guys haven't seen this, just prepare yourselves. Just prepare yourselves. It is one of the greatest, if not the greatest video I've ever seen, okay? Oh God, what's going to happen? Ah! 
Yes, you guys saw it there. A cat rescued by an American flag. How insane. How insane is that? How, what, I had to salute that. I had to salute that. Like, what else am I going to do at this point? How, it doesn't get better than that. It does not get better than that. That is, ugh, I can't believe it. When I saw that video the first time, so stressed, oh, so stressed. Like that poor cat, first of all, what's it doing? What's it doing in the stadium? Then it's dangling for dear life. Now you guys know cats probably could survive that fall. A cat probably could survive that fall anyway because cats have this like magical way of surviving extremely high drops. Then that flag, what's the flag doing there? Right? I don't thank goodness that there's a flag right there underneath that cat. They're bringing this American flag to what was that a baseball game? I don't even know. Football game and they catch a cat in the American flag to save its life. That's Bravo Zulu. You got it. You get a Bravo Zulu for that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So I, I just had to share it. That's the about yesterday for today, you guys. I doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't get better than that. That's as good as it gets. Uh, Ed says, "I want to see a stolen Valor video drone strikes. We got it going on. We're going to talk about it. Biden kills innocent civilians. How did intelligence mess up yet again? We're going to talk about how that could possibly happen. Saw it yesterday. Lucky cat. Yeah. Have you seen a video of the Bowling Green nurses being threatened and told to leave by a mall cop and commie nurse? No, I have not seen that." Uh, I have not seen that. Saw that today. Wow, it's the greatest bro moment ever. Yes. So many good angles of this. So dramatic. Yes, I saw another angle of it where you couldn't see that it, the cat was caught in an American flag. When I saw that, it changed everything. Super legit, epic. Yes, it doesn't get better than that. That cat scared me. Could be a baseball game. It looked like a baseball game, but it's like right at the end of the baseball season too. So there's a good angle of the cat flag catchers. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That's just, that whole thing is amazing. So we have such a jam-packed show today. It's going to get insane. Now, you guys know I've been doing my daily Stu Scheller check-ins, right? To post, check on his social media and see what he's posting. There was some some action over on Stu Scheller's LinkedIn page over the weekend. We're going to talk about it, uh, you know, pretty thoroughly here. We got a lot to, to discuss about this. Now, the, uh, the preface I have to give to this, the context I have to give to this is that I... Can't say, I can't say enough times in a row that I agree with the premise of Stu Scheller about accountability from leadership. But one thing Stu Scheller has not done is explain what success looks like to him. What does accountability even mean? He says he demands accountability from leadership. But what's he even mean? Because lots of leaders have accepted responsibility. Joe Biden, regardless of what you think of him, think of him, said the words, the buck stops with me, no matter how many times he tries to pass the buck on to other people and create other crises to distract from Afghanistan. He's, he said the words, right? So that's all that people seem to care about is say you condemn this, say you uh, will do this, whatever, just say it one time and we'll get off your back. Well, he said it one time. What does accountability look like? Does he want people, when will he be satisfied? Does he want people in jail? Does he want people you know, some fire? Does he want people to just, you know, humble themselves and admit responsibility? What does he want? He hasn't expressed it. All he's done is go out there and say that he's going to bring down the system. And a bunch of people who are saying things like, Jesus has picked you to be the last true American to lead the revolution and stuff like that. 
have been going crazy on his social media. And that's where, that's where he loses me is with these people who say, I support him. What does that mean? You just say you support him like, and that's it. And that's like supposed to have some kind of impact on the world. You say, I support Stu Scheller. You, what do you even, what are you talking about? What do you think that means? I'm asking the people out there who, who will follow this guy into battle for, for the United States, for the future of the United States. What, what does any of this mean? I, I, don't, I don't know. And nobody can explain it. Nobody's even trying. Nobody's even trying. I, I'm digging. I'm digging to try to see online who's talking about what with Stu Scheller and what he means by accountability and bring the system down. And I support him. What does that support mean? Nobody knows. Nobody has any explanation. So nobody, in the, nobody commenting nothing. But he does have cryptic videos. So here's, a, here's Stu Scheller's LinkedIn page right here. He's, he made two posts over the weekend. The first one is a video called United We Stand. He posted it to his LinkedIn and he said, indivisible. Now, you guys know we've been tracking the downward slope that is his social media activity, like likes and comments. And so this one only had 800 likes and 135 comments, which means he's on a steady decline of that support, which is uh, kind of what I've been talking about this whole time. But he did post this video, Indivisible. The video did get 50,000, almost 60,000 uh, views. And let's watch his video and see how he's doing kind of at this point, right? Has he had any change of thoughts on this whole thing? So let's check this out. Let's watch this video. This is the newest. This is the fourth Stu Scheller video. So let's see what he has to say. Hey, everybody. Stu Scheller. I wanted to make a video for all the people that have supported me and been with me for the last two weeks, everyone that's standing with me. Yeah, I don't know about that. I wanted to also apologize to Brian, my lawyer, who's worked very hard going back and forth with the Marine Corps to get me out quickly and quietly. I promise you I wouldn't do this. Also, the, the He's having a you know, he's having this this back and forth internal dilemma of whether he should go on social media or not, which I don't know what to make of that. I can't tell what that hat is that he's wearing, but you can see the books on the table. It's on war. I think it's the art of war and the top one. I can't really see what that is. If you guys recognize what that top book on the, on the stack of books is, let me know. But obviously he's very methodical with the, his chessboard and you know, the setting he creates for these things. But, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I, am not an expert on this stuff, but obviously he's got this on war, uh, art of war. So, so tactics, strategy, um, war fighting, you know, influences that he's, that he's going with right now for the people as they're watching this, but, and he posted this on September 11th. On the, on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And just please keep in mind that I agree with his premise that there should be more accountability, more leaders taking accountability for the way that things are. But he hasn't explained what he says he means by demanding accountability. And all of his supporters who say that they support him, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what that support means. It's just on the internet, which means nothing team of people that have come together thinking that I might be able to get out quickly and quietly trying to get me into a 22 congressional race. I'm probably blowing it up with this as well. There you I go. I told you I'm not you religious, but I've really felt something. He, he's hinting at this people trying to get him. We're going to talk more about that, but he's hinting at this thing of people trying to get him to go into politics. It scares me a lot that people are going into politics because of who they hate and not what they want to create. There's a whole, and I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans, 
are going into Congress and they're running on what they hate, not what they plan to do. They just, the person who hates the most things, the most aggressively is your candidate. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Working through me on this. And I don't know, I don't know how to put words to it, but I feel like the path I'm on, I'm just trying to listen to the voice inside me and do, do what I think is right. And I didn't like the way I left it with the last message and specifically going into 9-11, there were some things that I wanted to say. And so I feel like I've evolved in this process as we've gone through this. The first video I made, I was angry, but I was just asking for accountability, accountability for my senior leaders. And I still haven't received that. But then after I made that video, once again, he says he wants account accountability, but he can't explain what accountability looks like. He hasn't defined what accountability is. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. I haven't heard him demand accountability from ISIS. So I'll just leave that there on the table for you. H. Nas says top book is Imperium, the philosophy of history and politics. Thank you very much. I'll have to check that book out. I don't know what, I don't know what that book is, but I will have to check that out. I felt like the organization that I loved and some of the people that I trusted the most turned their backs on me and I was just filled with rage and I made the second video and I still stand by everything I said in that video but I was very angry I acknowledge that and then it, it felt like everyone wanted to attack me with projecting PTSD or saying that I was having a breakdown or I was suicidal I had to go get mental evaluations because I felt like that was easier for them to understand than me just being principled in my stance and very angry and then I had two days where it felt like everything was being taken from me. My whole world was imploding and I got even more emotional. And then when I got through that and my rage dissipated, I was just filled with pain and sadness. And I actually cried like, like a little bitch cried. It's embarrassing really. But as I've come, it's okay to cry sometimes. It's okay to cry. No big deal. No judgment here. That's a judgment-free zone for crying. I've started to think a little bit more clearly, and there's a couple things that I want to say. And the first, I'm going to start with a war story. In the winter of 2010 and 2011, I was with... Just a heads up before he gets into this war story, it is going to get graphic, okay? If you guys are uh, um, averse to graphic descriptions of combat and violence, I would stop listening now because he's going to get into an uh, actual combat story. Um that does involve violence. So this is a disclaimer about that. Patrol out in Ghazni province. And you was deployed in Ghazni province. The ID of two Taliban members riding on them. So I was actually deployed in Ghazni province uh, in 2013 and 14 doing ISR, so doing flying drones. So if I have anything I can add here, um, I will. I'll just say before he gets into this next part of the story that what he's about to describe is a very common scenario. This would happen on a daily basis with us, um, just so you guys know cycle with RPGs and some HME and homemade explosives. They engaged the motorcycle, killed one of the riders. The other one was injured, but got up and ran into a house. So they called our patrol and said, Hey, can you go isolate cordon, deal with this other individual? So we went to the house, go in, he's alive. He's shooting at us. And it's like, all right, well, you know, we don't want to expose ourselves unnecessarily. So who's got grenades? So we get grenades, we throw about six in, just assuming he's dead, go back in, pop the corner, the guy starts shooting back at us. Like, wow. Like, well, all right, here, let's take the wall down. So we put some C4 on the wall, blow it, mud wall doesn't fall down with multiple blocks of C4. We're down to one block of C4, no grenades. 
So we go back and get the yellow jug, jug of HME that was on his motorcycle, stick it on the wall, put the last block of C4, blow the whole thing. The whole wall almost comes down. We come in there with machine guns, kill this individual, finally finish him off with machine guns. And in his last breath, this man pulled pin on grenade and laid on the grenade. And we had to grappling hook his body and pull it and let the grenade go off. Now I know in telling this story, people are like, I mean, what are you doing? You're empowering the Taliban. And I get it, like no doubt. If there's somebody out there like a Taliban member that believes throwing acid in a woman's face or doing some of the things that they do, I wanna take their life personally. But that still doesn't mean there's not moments where I can't look at them as people and respect what they're doing. Just I agree with all that. I've said on this show many times, my only hardline opinion, you guys already know what I'm going to say, F ISIS, right? But I've, I've said many times on this show, the Taliban are not good people. They're as bad as it gets, but they don't claim to be anything else. They, they'll tell you what they want. They have a plan. They've always had this plan. They've stayed steady in their resolve. They have the discipline. They've raised generations of people to be a, believe in these things so strongly that they're happy to die for it. They're excited to die for these ideas. The Taliban does have discipline. They do have their own code of conduct, their own honor code that they go by. It's horrible. It's disgraceful, and it should be obliterated off the face of the earth, but they have it. And F ISIS. Me through the evolution of what's happened here. There's anger, rage, and underneath that is pain. And underneath pain is love. And then you, you take love, like we talk organized religion. The, the so everybody's tracking anger, rage, pain, love. Anger, rage, pain, ARPL. Classic ARPL scenario right here. The point of Jesus Christ is supposed to be love. The, the point of Zionism and Bob Marley is supposed to be love. We all, we all acknowledge that there's something in us that wants to connect to the greater good. The, the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. In, on 9-11, 20 years ago, America came together based on fear. And we did things based on fear. There is a way to do things based on rational thinking and unity that doesn't involve fear, in my opinion. And part of it starts with respecting different opinions in all people, even if you don't agree with them. The, the post-war movement after Vietnam... See, here's where I get a little lost in what he's saying because he doesn't seem to be, at least he's not getting supported, you know, supported by people who respect differing opinions. That's a huge problem in the United States. We have two political parties who don't respect each other's opinions one bit, who hate each other. And guess what? You, wanna, you guys want to take a wild guess which side of the line the people who are supporting Stu Scheller are on? And they're far over the line, extremely far over the line. And so just again, it, it reemphasizes what I already thought, which is he's not, and we're going to get more into this in a second with this other post on his LinkedIn page. He is not attracting the people that he needs to be. He's not. He's not attracting the right attention to himself that's going to help him accomplish whatever the mission that he's on is. And, uh, and if he does end up making a run for Congress or whatever, and he wins a, a small district in, and becomes a, a congressman, 
I don't see how that's going to work for him either. Bring the whole effing system down. It's his platform. Okay. Well, you know what? You know what? To everyone on my YouTube video who said, you idiot, you stupid idiot who doesn't deserve to walk the face of the earth, you can't change the system from within. Okay, so this guy's going to run for Congress and do it that way? Is that what you're telling me? Is that what you geniuses are telling me? That that's what he should do? I don't mean to make, I don't mean to make it personal, but come on, you guys, come on. You, 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 not you, the audience of the Scuttlebutt show, but you in the, in the world of Stu Scheller can do better. You can do better. Be better. Pro-love, anti-war. And as I've contemplated on it, I think that's wrong. You definitely want pro-love, but it's not anti-war. It's pro-love from a position of strength. You have to have the ability to project violence for somebody that's throwing acid in a woman's face. You can have all the celebrities in the world come up with a video telling him to stop doing that, and guess what? That's not gonna work. You need patriots that are gonna go out there and commit violence when evil is not listening to reason. But at the same time, it, love is not absent of war. But you can't go to war based on fear, in my opinion. That's what we're missing. And right now, we had a 20-year war that just ended, and we didn't even pause. On, on bases all across the United States, you wouldn't even know it because we're preparing for the next thing, the fear of the next enemy. So at this point in the, in the video, his thoughts don't seem like congruent to me. I don't feel like he, any of this has anything to do with his original point of he got... Not, to me, you guys can tell me what you think in the comments, but to me, none of this has anything to do with the reason that he is in this situation in the first place, which is his resignation from the Marine Corps over demanding accountability, which he cannot define accountability and what that looks like. He has no explanation for that. Uh, and now I don't know what he's, he's saying he needs to you know, be able to commit violence in the face of evil. But is he actually talking about the Taliban or is he talking about somebody in the, in the United States? I'm not sure. General officers for the last 20 years have given bad advice consistently. True. None of them have been held 100% true. All true. All true. I do not believe the American people are divided as much as you think they are. The people in the establishment right now currently have the power because we allow it to happen. There is change upon us. I love and respect all people with different opinions. I possess the ability to inflict violence. I am asking for accountability of my senior leaders. Here's where it gets really scary. Okay, now I don't know what you guys are hearing here. I'm hearing threats of violence if his demands are not met. Guess what that's called, bro? Anybody in the audience know what that's called? Terrorism. Like, in what universe are we living in right now? Where, and maybe I'm reading this wrong. If you guys think I have this all wrong, drop me a comment. But what I'm hearing is, in his aggressive language and thinking back to his prior statements, he's calling on a revolution potentially involving aggressive aggression violence unless his demand for accountability is met 
from senior officers who are giving bad advice. Are you guys hearing that too? Let me know if you are or not. And if so, that's terrorism, bro. It's the definition. I love the Constitution. I love America. I love Americans. I love my family. And I believe in myself. And I believe in a higher power. Maybe on 9-11, 20 years later, we as a nation can come together based on mutual respect and love. And then once we do that, there is no stopping us. Thank you. So I don't know what pretty much any of that meant. Let me take a break here and read some of these comments. So let's see, where did I miss? Where did I, where did I stop? Cryptic, cryptic and rebellious allows for anyone listening to fill in the gaps and arrive at their own believe conclusions while allowing Stu to always maintain plausible deniability. Justin, that's a really good point. They're manifesting their support for Stu. Let's see. Let's see. On War by Van Clausitz. I read that. Yep. Uh, top book is Imperium. Yes. Thank you, h and People going into politics when they don't know anything about it. How is a viral moment on the internet the defining quality of an of a American politician? So it's not new, I guess. People do like make these people who are in politics already give these dramatic speeches and then play them, you know, over and over again while they're running for president. It's not new, but it's, it doesn't actually make any sense. The only way he stays relevant is if he makes it on the Jerry or Jocko is being manipulated by his true believers. Yeah, that's what I agree. Why is he hiding his left hand? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Max called it emotional response, anger. What I missed. What's up, curse boy. I don't cry enough for the right reasons at all. I'll be back later. Crying is acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon. Ron Swanson quote, love me some Ron Swanson. Love me some Parks and Rec. I love that so much. Did you hear about the U.S. shooting down an Iranian drone that was attacking airports in Afghanistan. No, I did not hear anything about that. You got a link for that? So far, I don't know where the speech is going. Oh, 9-11, FR enemy, Max, what would you do in Stu's scenario? What would I do in Stu's scenario? I would have never been in this scenario in the first place. I would have never, I would have never made that kind of emotional decision. I don't think. I'd like to think. I would like to think that I would not have made that kind of emotional reaction. Who knows? Everyone has a limit where they could be pushed to do something like that, but I don't know. Calling out the haters. Yes. Speech is all over the place. You go, Max. Call those haters out. Max, just making sense. You can't change the system from within, but you should run for office. Yeah. Yes. What the heck? If you think you can change the system from within, you're a shill and an idiot and a loser and pathetic and probably stolen valor. What we need is Stu to run, get inside the system. Once he's in the system, he can change it. These are the lunatics we're dealing with right now. A good soldier is not the one who fights because he hates what's in front of him, fights to protect the things he loves behind him. I do love that quote. Damn, SD says, what do you think will happen at the January 6th support rally on Friday? What is that? I don't know what that is. He's just rambling. His original thoughts were spur of the moment, knee-jerk reaction, never thought out what the end game would be. Yeah, kind of. Guy, that sounds probably right, Larry. Uh, It sounds like he is pedaling. He's just pedaling along um, to, to... eventually figure out what the point is because he got excited from the initial reaction, 500,000 views on a video. Oh man. That's what I think. I need to, I need to email. Let's see. Holy S dude. This bloke is going to end up in jail or someone is going to make him disappear permanently. Oh, I hope not. I wish him the best. I wish him success, but I just want him to realize. And I always say too, right? Always caveat. I, anything that I say on this show, I always acknowledge that there's a chance that I'm complete. I'm the one who's completely wrong and I can be proven wrong. 
Politics can divide people to, on a global scale. It's why the Cold War happened. That's why I'm scared of the FBI, Max, because they apologized to me for doing something they didn't do. I was wrong. You can't scream at TV stations or anyone because they don't want your story. Hiram. Yeah. A lot of people just don't care. This guy is in real trouble. Complete breakdown. What's next? Harry Lime Pie. What's up, Harry Lime Pie? Growing military coup sympathy that won't go anywhere. Yeah, it does. I mean, there is this military coup sympathy going on. So Stu followed up that 9-11 video with this. And here's where I really got worried for Stu. Okay, when you see these texts, when we talk about these texts, you'll see why I actually got really worried about him. You all are not listening to me. Did you think I would unshackle myself from one system just to become prisoner of the next system? The lions are home from war and the lions aren't assimilating to your system anymore, he says on LinkedIn. Kind of dispelling this idea that he would run for Congress or run for office. But the fact that his supporters are, are asking him to run for office is the most lunatic stuff that's going on here. Here's the text. Here's the people that he's been talking to. This is an iMessage, by the way. So this means this is phone to phone. This is a text message conversation if you're listening on the podcast. From the person on the other end of the line, not Stu. This is not Stu. No more videos, please. Pick up. It's important. It's, you know, something blurred out on me on the phone. Take down the video. Everything is going to be okay. Just take down the video. I want to make you a congressman and the presidency one day. This subverts it. Please, I love you, brother. We will get through this. Congress, uh, and then he says, I'm not taking it down if we go separate ways. Fist bump, American flag, support. We are in your corner. If you want to make videos, we have assets to make better quality video and with a script. Grainy cell footage is not a great look. This could also adversely affect our exit strategy. I can't believe Stu shared this text message conversation because that is, who are his handlers now? Who is handling this man? For all his supporters out there, ask yourself, who is working behind the scenes on his behalf at this point? I'm sure people with bad intentions were knocking down his door. I'm sure bad actors were beating down his door, trying to get in his corner to manipulate this situation in their benefit. I have no doubt in my mind. So he he has to be really careful. And it looks like maybe he is, but at least in this instance. But who knows what else, and this is not a good argument, this is speculation, but if this person is, if he's talking to this person whose English is broken, sentence structure is bad, and is saying, um, uh, take down the phone, it's not a good, take down the video, it's not a good look, we need you from, um, we, we need you to, 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 be in our corner. And this could adversely, the creepiest thing here is this could adversely affect our exit strategy. Justin, 999 super chat for the daily stew check-ins. Also, let's get a scuttlebutt flag so we can save the cats. That's a great idea. Justin, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. My friend, thank you. Big ups. We got, uh, the, the text here is, is creeping me out big time. You guys can let me know what you think about that text, but here's the question. Did you hear in the video what I heard about this being a, an, a call to arms for his demand for accountability from the system? And do you also understand what I'm saying about that is the definition of terrorism? And then who are these people that he's talking to now? That's somebody who had his phone number. That's somebody who had his phone number to get him into Congress and the presidency. And what do you think about the fact that people who commented on my video saying, that I'm an idiot, that I'm a moron and a loser and pathetic for thinking you can change the system from within who now want him to run for Congress?
I'm sure some, I don't think that, well, that's fine. I'm, you know, a lot of people do, and that's the problem. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's creeping me out big time, all this. Scheller is an absolute lunatic. He's clearly had a mental breakdown, and it's incredibly dangerous. It's scary AF. I don't, I don't know if he's a lunatic. I think a lot of his supporters are, but I do feel bad. I feel I empathize for him because by all accounts, he was a great Marine and leader and battle buddy and everything. And he's a combat veteran and he led Marines in combat and all of that. And, and all of that I support big time. And I support his original point. That's a huge problem that I agree with completely. Can't agree with it more. 100%. No questions asked. Accountability. I've been talking about it on the show for a long time. It bothers me deeply that there's, le- that there's not enough accountability. But now he's about to make this run at a career of... Just saying, like Justin said in the chat, just saying cryptic things that get a base excited and lead them along and then probably sell t-shirts and then eventually a run for office. And then that run for office is going to literally undermine his supporters, which at that point should defeat his own base because of the position that they took, him trying to change anything is actually going to undermine his whole point in the first place because his own supporters think that the system is the problem and going into the system makes you useless. So he's kind of in a loop. He's in a ham. He's in a, he's a hamster. Stu Scheller is a hamster at this point, stuck in the loop. And that's the scuttlebutt on that, I guess for now, because we got something else we got to talk about kind of on this, this episode is, might go long. We might go long today, guys. I just want you to know. Because uh, we're going to go right into this next thing. He is being used, Terry Lyon Pie says. Yep. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, not no matter how wrong they are. Yep. True. That's true, too. Who, who the hell is his leader now? This is getting scary. I don't think this is a mental breakdown, to be honest. He's a football player who didn't expect to receive the ball, doesn't know what to do. The opposing team is closing in quickly. Raju, that's a, that's a, that's a good metaphor. And on, on theme, too, with football just starting back up. Who's everyone's football team out there? I don't watch football. You guys can, uh, you guys can uh, save to me whatever you think about that, but I don't watch football. Was there a chess move at the end of that video? No, there wasn't. Mudrock, great question. Nikki MGTV did post a great video about that. There was not a chess move at the end of that video or on those posts. So did he abandon the chess thing? I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. Like I, like, like I, you know, I want you guys to know that Stu Scheller's profiles are public. I'm not like, I do follow him, but you don't have to follow him to go see all these posts or public posts on LinkedIn and on Facebook. So you guys can go check those out. Scheller made a Faustian agreement and then decided he wanted out. His supporters are just keyboard warriors. They will disappear just like he will. Alex, that's what I've been saying. Champa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, I hope that they, uh, do you still have a Tom Brady on the Bucks? I don't know. Steelers, but I don't watch football that much. Manchester United, Nick says, yeah, I can tell by your name. I can tell by your name. All right, so I got to keep going because uh, we have to do this drone video too. Oh, my gosh. Stu Scheller. Who knew that this would become such a big part of my uh, programming here? And who knew this as well? The the impact that the COVID mandate, the COVID-19 vaccine mandate would have on the military. Now, I don't know if this is related to Stu Scheller, but there's some 
undeniable similarities between Stu and this next story. It's getting scary, you guys. It really is getting scary. I mean, my video just got flagged because I said the magic words. So let's take a let's take a look over here. Here is the connection between Stu Scheller and this next person. The person, the way that I found this in the first place was from a comment on Stu Scheller's video. The video he posted, the link to the video he posted on LinkedIn. This was a comment. It was commented as a photo, a screenshot, and I clicked it and I found this Instagram page, which is also public. There won't be any shockers here by the end of this story, but let's see what this says. So I find this page at the, at the Hague, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. After 18 years of active duty service in the United States Army, my lieutenant colonel husband has resigned. He's walking away from everything he's worked toward and believed in since he was an ROTC kid at UGA. He's walking away from his retirement. Above is his resignation memo. So let's talk about why Lieutenant Colonel Haig is resigning from the Army. The unqualified resignation for Paul Haig, Commander, U.S. Army Human Resources Command. This is a public Instagram page. You guys can go find this yourselves. I, Lieutenant Colonel, which his name's already on there, so this is like kind of insane, tender my unqualified resignation from the Army under the provisions of AR-135, you know, blah, 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 to be effective on what said date, it's blacked out, or as soon as allowable prior to this, giving reasonable transition and expenditure of accrued leave. I am not under suspension of favorable action, investigation pending charges are being considered for elimination. I fulfilled my active duty obligations. With over 19 years of service in the Army, I regretfully yet resolutely tender my resignation for the following reasons. First and foremost, I am incapable of subjecting myself to the unlawful, unethical, immoral, and tyrannical order to sit still and allow a serum to be injected into my flesh against my will and better judgment. It is impossible for this so-called vaccine to have been studied adequately to determine the long-term effects. It simply has not existed for enough time and any claim otherwise is blatantly ignorant and likely an outright lie driven by negligent political agenda. Furthermore, ample studies show that naturally derived immunity based on exposure to the virus offers far superior protection than the mandated vaccine. I cannot and will not contribute to the fall of this great nation and its people, those very Americans whom I swore to protect the liberty of at all costs. The values that our nation was founded on have has lived by and thrived under, have been utterly decimated by the current presidential administration and the leadership of the military, to include the army. We are watching the fall of liberty at this moment. Governors and mayors forcibly looking down millions of Americans, restricting them from their unalienable right to pursue happiness, forcing them out of their jobs and their ability to participate in the most basic and fundamental rights life offers because of their personal beliefs and values. These are the same values that we service members offer our very lives to protect, and now we are being used as tools to boost the numbers of vaccinated people in order to further distance and alienate those who, knowing the personal risk of the disease, have freely decided to remain unvaccinated. I cannot be used as a tool against them as they are my daughters, my son, my siblings, and my friends. They are the Americans that deserve my support and love. And there's a part C, a complete lack of confidence in the presidential administration and secretaries directing the military as demonstrated by the sudden and rash at best 
but pushing traitorous withdrawal from Afghanistan. The strategic decisions with regard to Afghanistan made by these people have not only unnecessarily cost the lives of 13 service members and many Afghans, but have undoubtedly set our nation up for many more attacks, both in Afghanistan and within our own borders. While the need to respond quickly to move friendly personnel out of harm's way may have been necessary, I have concerns that appropriate screening of personnel could not have taken place with the chaos and haste of the operations potentially leading to the transporting, threatening terrorists of fr uh, two friendly nations, including the United States. This entire situation was completely preventable by allowing the most basic tactics taught in all military schools to every soldier in the army, establish security first and remove security last. For our military leaders to overlook this at the level they operate gives reason for total lack of confidence and even cause for concern that the best interest of the United States, her people and her allies is not what is motivating those in positions of authority. Part D. What I view as an ideologically Marxist takeover of the military and United States government at the upper echelons. Party, I will continue my service to this great nation and uphold the Constitution of the United States, but I feel that I can no longer do this while serving in the military, as it is my belief that the military is currently being used to the contrary, neither serving this great nation nor upholding the Constitution. I would like nothing more than to continue in the army to reach my 20 years of active federal service and retire with my pension. However, I instead will join those who have served before me in pledging my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor to continue resisting the eternal and ever mutable forms of oppression and tyranny, both from enemies outside our nation's borders and those within. And, and it goes on to be more um, uh, official army retirement stuff. It's pretty heavy. Let me catch up on some comments here. Let's see. Let's see. I was ne told never to discuss politics or religion at family gatherings because they're emotional issues. Serum. Well, that's a very, that's a way of putting it. Uh, yeah. I, serum was noticeable to me too. I'm Aussie. We love the Eagles. Washington would have kicked him out of the army. Yeah. Nah, he's not getting this for political reasons. This is dumb. At least reject it for a reason that makes more sense. Wouldn't there be like a hundred different people ready to take his place? So, and then you can see this posted by his wife. This is presumably him. It looks like he just bought a brand new um, Dodge Ram uh, on, in August. So this is the gentleman here. I mean, I don't think it was very smart of uh, Katie Haig to post this and share it to Stu Scheller's page, kind of making this a public thing, um, up for public debate. I mean, I've got nothing against this guy. He's entitled to his own opinions. I'm not going to tell him or his family what to think and do. I just don't understand personally. And you guys know what I've said on the show. I think uh, that the vaccine is everybody's personal choice. I don't agree with this mandating it. I don't agree with this thing about every company with 100 employees needs to mandate it or test their employees every week. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy. I really think it's bad. I don't like it. But, but I don't think that I could ever justify walking away from my career in the military because I believe that the government's been taken over by tyrannical dictators. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Personally, this is the deeply personal thing. Um, I see the stuff like the national guard being used to, you know, guard Washington. I see stuff like the military right now is, you know, working down at the border, but I also see the military as being used to do disaster relief. The military is still deployed in Iraq. The military is still deployed in Africa and the Philippines battling terrorism. There's still a lot of good stuff going on in the military. I haven't heard anyone, I don't know anyone personally, 
who believes that the United States has been taken over by Marxists or um, um, that the military is being used against the people or anything like that. Not, not that I know and interact with physically in the world in Okinawa. I don't know anybody. So it's, uh, it's troubling. And I've heard a scuttlebutt. I've heard a rumor that there are dozens more high-ranking military officers who are participating in this, uh, in this, wa- in this walkout or getting ready to. I've heard, I've heard rumors coming out of, uh, you know, special forces, special operations, SOCOM. So time will tell. And I do have a question too. And you guys know I'm not a fan of Joe Biden. I am not a fan of Democrats. I'm not a fan of Republicans either. Politi- individually, there are people that I like, but I don't like Democrats very much. Not politicians, not Democrat politicians, not at all. Not, not even a little bit. I'm not a fan. Um, absolutely disgusting in my opinion. But um, I know great people who say that they're Democrats. Great people who say they're Democrats, who are really compassionate, considerate, thoughtful individuals. I know great people who are conservative, and I know, you know, jerks too. Um, but there are a lot more, you know, conservative-minded people in the military, and that's a part of why I believe that this, this walkout uh, Nugget says walk out on what? Like this, this walk out when I say, and by walk out, I mean like these resignations, these people tendering their resignations. And it begs the question, you guys can roast me in the comments if you want to. If Donald Trump was still president, would any of this be happening? If Donald Trump was still president, would any of these officers be walking out after getting asked to get a vaccine? Would any of these officers be walking out if we pulled out of Afghanistan and Marines got killed then? You know, I don't know. I kind of think maybe not. But then again, maybe the vaccine thing is crazy because Donald Trump told everyone to get the vaccine, the greatest vaccine that ever existed. No vaccine's ever been better. Telling people to get it and then people are still not going to get it. And originally it was Democrats telling people not to get vaccinated because obviously all that they care about is their whoever's in power. But the fact that that whole thing flip-flopped Around election time doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, or actually it does make a lot of sense, but it's obvious what's going on there. So would Stu Scheller have walked away if the same thing went happened the same way? Because what if we kept Bagram open? What if we kept Bagram Airfield open and withdrew everyone, but then ISIS mortared Bagram? Because, you know, tens of thousands of people were gathered up in one spot for weeks. I can't believe there weren't mortar, mortar attacks. So what if Bagram got mortared and troops died? The, those, the terrorists over there would, will find a way. They've been doing it for decades. They've been finding a way. We've never, ever been able to stop terrorist attacks from hurting Afghans and Americans in 20 years. So even if they did... Even if they did do the withdrawal differently and Donald Trump was president and then Marines got killed, people got killed, 100 people got killed by a bomber, suicide bomber, a V-bed, it could have been worse. 
a mortar attack or a green on blue, worst of all, a green on blue, would, uh, would those same officers have walked away and demanded accountability? We'll never know. We'll never, we can't know, right? So it's kind of pointless, but it makes me wonder. I would ask them. Because there's no, there's no way, the other thing that we can't know is the outcome had things been different. The outcome could have been worse. The outcome could have been worse. So that's why I don't like the whole armchair quarterback thing, the Monday morning quarterback. I sided with General Mattis' decision and his reasoning. Yes, General Mattis, you know, I think he did, he did it the right, he did it the way that a military officer is supposed to do it. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't agree with, the, with Donald Trump on a lot of things, but especially with the way we were starting to withdraw from Iraq and leave the Kurds behind to defend for themselves, which we've totally, we pretend like that never happened. We pretend like leaving, like leaving Iraq and leaving Kurds defenseless without equipment or support from the United States didn't happen while Donald Trump was president. Just, we just, you know, wash our hands of that. Never happened. All, okay, all good, fine. No big deal. Whatever. And Americans are going to do, most Americans will do the same thing with Afghanistan. In a year, nobody will care about those 13 people. And that's the saddest part. <clears throat> Let's see. They'd probably be going, go get your Trump pump. <laughs> we pulled out of Syria incredibly fast. General Mattis has technically walked out for his position as Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Yeah. The wrong people are resigning. Biden and Trump are incredibly similar in their foreign policy reviews. Max is ultra reasonable. Thanks. I think it would have been different if Trump was still in office. People would be more happy if they got government promoted drugs than vaccines. I disagree, Evian and Trump left our allies in Syria when we pulled out of Syria. I would have been different if Trump was still in office. The advent of social media gives insight into the thinking of people that should have probably be kept to themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Yeet says, I think I heard that Trump had a plan to slowly and clearly get out of Afghanistan while Biden rushed everything. But, but we can't know. The plan that everyone keeps talking about was that they would have left Bagram Airfield open and done the evacuation out of Bagram, cleared Kabul, in, and, and then had all the people come on to Bagram because Bagram was a secure base at the time. Instead of getting everyone out of Bagram and leaving that base and all the support that we had there. But Bagram's been attacked. People have been killed on Bagram. Bagram was getting mortared all the time. So, for what it's worth, base attacks, gate attacks, stuff like that. So, you know, we just can't know. Man, we're going today. I, I have to do this next. Do you guys want to see this video about the drone strike? It's going to be long. Tell me in the comments. The show will go long if I do this next video. Or is this something to save for later? By the way, you guys, make sure you're uh, scheduled. You have the event saved on YouTube for tomorrow's discussion about beards in the military and how that's affected uh, veterans on promotion and stuff like that. It's going to be an incredible episode with two guests, John and Keith. Uh, it's going to be great. Make sure you guys are, are uh, sending reminders for that so you don't miss it. It's on the channel now. So just click set reminder. Make sure you guys are, available, are, are scheduled for that. It's going to be an absolutely awesome episode. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So the New York Times, the New York Times um, did this investigation, this great investigation, really good, really good um, into the reported killing of civilians. So on the final days after the suicide bombing, after the suicide bombing, there was a drone strike on a suspected vehicle full of, of explosives that was heading towards where people are, uh, where, where people were evacuating, and it was to prevent another attack. That's what we were told. 
um, Joe Biden, you know, and the generals in the military were saying that they had, you know, conducted this drone strike, killed ISIS terrorists who were getting ready to go attack Americans and Afghanis. But then the Afghanis started to say, wait, those were civilians. Seven civilians, including children, were killed. Those weren't uh, terrorists. And then the military said that they had intelligence that suggested that they were terrorists, and they have not said that these were civilians. But the New York Times did this incredible, incredible um, investigation into what happened. And I, I can add a little bit of information here, too. So let's, let's go over this. Let's actually react to this. In one of the final acts of its 20-year war in Afghanistan, the United States fired a missile from a drone at a car in Kabul. It was parked in the courtyard of a home, and the explosion killed 10 people, including 43-year-old Zamarai Ahmadi and seven children, according to his family. And so that's an important um, note there is that a lot of this is according to his family, according to witnesses, according to bystanders. Not saying that, you know, they're liars, but that does happen. There is a lot of incentive to make make false allegations, including getting money and... uh, and whatever ulterior motive they might have for that. But I'm not, I'm not saying that that happened. For the purpose of this video, we'll, we'll assume that the people that reported what happened there were not bad actors, um, and that to the best of their knowledge that they're saying what they believe happened. The Pentagon claimed that Ahmadi was a facilitator for the Islamic State and that his car was packed with explosives, posing an imminent threat to U.S. troops guarding the evacuation of the Kabul airport. An attack like that, a vehicle full of explosives, is one of the deadliest weapons that terrorists have. It's called a vehicle-borne IED, a V-bed, a VBIED. And it's a very common tactic for in, the, in throughout the entire war, but especially... For example, in Mosul in Iraq during the occupation of ISIS, when the United States and Iraqi forces were clearing the streets, the, the ISIS fighters packed vehicles with HME five, six, ten times a day, charged them at uh, Iraqi and American checkpoints and, um, and, and units, and detonated them. They're extraordinarily deadly and extremely difficult to stop um, before they get close enough to where you're in their effective blast radius. So this is a, a time-sensitive target a TST that is I mean hard to explain the devastation that one of these VBIDs can cause so you have to make a decision with the information that you have this is also three days after the suicide bombing that killed the 13 Americans and scores of Afghans so we're, they're going to talk about why they did it here in a second the procedures were correctly followed I know it's a righteous strike that's General Mark Milley um, the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who it has been very vocal in the past few months. You guys probably seen him. And he said he just described this strike, talking about this drone strike, as a righteous strike. What the military apparently didn't know was that Ahmadi was a longtime aid worker who colleagues and family members said spent the hours before he died running office errands and ended his day by pulling up to his house. Soon after, his Toyota was hit with a 20-pound Hellfire missile. Hellfire missiles are fired from drones very commonly. They're laser guided. They are, they can be extremely accurately employed with little collateral damage, but there's going to be some, I think probably like a 20 meter collateral damage range. Uh, they work by blasting basically shrapnel in, in, in every direction. Um, they can penetrate 
into targets. So through the roof of vehicle, the roof of building, they can even be fired through doors and windows, and they can be set to explode above like an airburst or after they hit the target or with a you know a, a several micro you know millisecond delay um, after they hit the target. There's a lot of ways to employ Hellfire missiles, but just generally laser guided, uh, highly accurate, highly mm, highly effective, highly effective. Uh, um, weapons to use to prosecute targets by the United States. What was interpreted as the suspicious moves of a terrorist may have just been an average day in his life. Just, I kind of shrugged when I said highly effective there. I've seen people get hit directly with hellfires and walk away, just as a side note. And it's possible that what the military saw Ahmadi loading into his car were water canisters he was bringing home to his family. So you, you know, just to put this in perspective, the average Afghan male, you know, weighs 140 to 150 pounds. Many of them that I've met, I could wrap my hand around their bicep completely and touch my fingers together. They wouldn't be carrying around two, three, four of these jugs if they were full. But these jugs are very frequently, very frequently used for HME, homemade explosives. They'll fill these up. They'll, you know, string them together with deck cord, whatever, and put them into uh, and rig them onto a trigger and use them to detonate massive explosions explosives. Using never-before-seen security camera footage of Ahmadi, interviews with his family, co-workers and witnesses, we will piece together for the first time his movements in the hours before he was killed. Zemrai Ahmadi was an electrical engineer by training. For 14 years, he had worked for the Kabul Office of Nutrition and Education International. NEI established a total of 11 soybean processing plants in Afghanistan. It's a California-based NGO that fights malnutrition. On most days, he drove one of the company's white Toyota Corollas, taking his colleagues to and from work and distributing the NGO's food to Afghans. Toyota is effectively the sponsor of terrorism as well. A Toyota Hilux, a Toyota Corolla, very, very common vehicles in Iraq, Afghanistan, and... uh, and we jokingly say, you know, we joke about Toyota Hiluxes all the time. <laughs> you see a Hilux uh, and you see it filled up with something in the bed of the truck. It's probably bad. It's probably bad news. War. Only three days before Ahmadi was killed, 13 U.S. troops and more than 170 Afghan civilians died in an Islamic State suicide attack at the airport. The military had given lower level commanders the authority to order airstrikes earlier in the evacuation, and they were bracing for what they feared was another imminent attack. So the, it was reported that the United States had intelligence that there was going to be another attack. It's not clear if that's human, SIGIN, imminent, whatever it was, whatever type of specific intelligence that they were using or a combination of such um, that led them to believe this other attack was happening that day. To reconstruct Ahmadi's movements on August 29th, in the hours before he was killed, the Times pieced together the security camera footage from his office with interviews with more than a dozen of Ahmadi's colleagues and family members. Ahmadi appears to have left his home around 9 a.m. He then picked up a colleague and his boss's laptop near his house. It's around this time that the U.S. military claimed it observed a white sedan leaving an alleged Islamic State safe house around five kilometers northwest of the airport. Now, they don't go on to say too much about how they knew a safe house is a safe house or, you know, why that particular vehicle became suspicious. But what I'll say is 
we're talking about an area that's been under aerial surveillance surveillance for, you know, 20 years. So this could be, it's very possible that at some point in time, someone, and this could be days earlier, weeks earlier, or years earlier, marked that particular building as a terrorist safe house. I'd be curious to know when was the last time, you know, nefarious pattern of life was, was observed when was the last time weapons were seen coming in and out? You know, when was the last time they had hits on, you know, high value targets going in and out of there? It could be that somebody was just looking at a map that had a location pinned with a little label that said, uh, bad guy house, something like that. And they went off that. That's, that's highly, that's highly possible without me knowing more information about it. That's why the U.S. military said they tracked Ahmadi's Corolla that day. They also said they intercepted communications from the safe house, instructing the car to make several stops. But so, like I said, that without knowing when the last time they had nefarious activity done there, coming out of that safe house, and who was making those comms calls, uh, it's still, I still have questions. I'd still, if I was the investigator here, I would still have questions about it. Every colleague who rode with Ahmadi that day said what the military interpreted as a series of suspicious moves was just a typical day in his life. After It could all just be bad, you know, unfortunate coincidences. Madi picked up another colleague, the three stopped to get breakfast, and at 9.35 a.m., they arrived at the NGO's office. So he went, he was going about his daily business at his job that he's held for over a decade. So that's something important to note. Morning, Ahmadi drove some of his coworkers to a Taliban-occupied police station to get permission for future food distribution at a new displacement camp. Which I guess would have been normal at this time because the Taliban had taken over the city effectively um, as the official government. So they, he would ha he was going to ask if it was okay if he went about this business that he was planning on you know conducting without expecting any problems from the Taliban. Around 2 p.m., Ahmadi and his colleagues returned to the office. The security camera footage we obtained from the office is crucial to understanding what happens next. The camera's timestamp is off, but we went to the office and verified the time. We also matched an exact scene from the footage with a timestamp satellite image to confirm it was accurate. This is great investigation right here. This is absolutely top tier work to go through and find corroborating imagery to exactly when this vehicle passes this vehicle, this pedestrian was there at this time. This is, this is strong, strong work. I got it. I got to tell him this is strong work right here. This is really, really, really well done investigating and research into confirming times and places that people were. This type of thing, this type of imagery collaboration is a critical component of what we did as drone pilots, as ISR professionals, looking at um, times and, and image and like times that other images were taken and comparing them to images that we're looking at now. This is, uh, I gotta, I gotta give him credit for this one. This is really good. At 2.35 PM, Ahmadi pulls out a hose and then he and a coworker fill empty containers with water. Earlier that morning, we saw Ahmadi bring these same empty plastic containers. So you can confirm they're still empty because he wouldn't have been carrying three of those things like that. There's no chance. Office. 
There was a water shortage in his neighborhood, his family said, so he regularly brought water home from the office. At around Filling those jugs with HME would have taken a lot longer than filling them with water, something to consider as well. At 3.38 p.m., a colleague moves Ahmadi's car further into the driveway. A senior U.S. official told us that at roughly the same time, the military saw Ahmadi's car pull into an unknown compound, 8 to 12 kilometers southwest of the airport. That overlaps with the location of the NGO's office, which we believe is what the military called an unknown compound. So they're, they're kind of, you know, putting the picture together there, but it sounds like the government wasn't too keen to work with the New York Times on this story, so they had to make some assessments based on the official reporting and what they could come up with as the timeline of events. So that was one of those in instances where they're doing that. With the workday ending, an employee switched off the office generator and the feed from the camera ends. We don't have... An unknown compound is an unknown compound and the job of the person watching the pattern of life of this individual would be to clearly state that is an unknown compound. He is filling those containers with unknown material. If you can't go down there and collect a sample and test whatever's in those jugs, that is an unknown compound. It can appear to be HME. For example, if I saw somebody carrying an RPG and then they fired it at me, I would then say, I have what appears to be an RPG. They appear to have shot it at me, but I am not an analyst. So, you know, and I, this is a, I'm talking about me here, right? I don't know everyone involved in the kill chain in this incident, but in my case, I, I would never claim to know what a compound is or what jugs are filled with or what people are carrying unless I am a qualified analyst. As a, just a ISR professional, as just a, a, a somebody conducting surveillance, I would never tell you what I know and don't know. Uh, I have what appears to be 20 people trying to kill me. Um, that's what it looks like. And there's bullets bouncing off the wall, so that's probably what's happening. But uh, I can't confirm. It appears to be. Those are the magic words. Footage of the moments that followed. But it's at this time, the military said, that its drone feed showed four men gingerly loading wrapped packages into the car. Official gingerly, is that's the most amazing time to use the word gingerly that I've ever heard. They couldn't tell what was inside them. This footage from earlier in the day shows what the men said they were carrying. Their laptops, one in a plastic shopping bag. And the only things in the trunk, Ahmadi's co-worker said, were the water containers. Ahmadi dropped each one of them off, then drove to his home in a dense neighborhood near the airport. He backed into the home's small courtyard. Children surrounded the car, according to his brother. Now I'm surprised to hear this because that means that they had would have had to have fired the missile before the children ran up to the car. Otherwise they would have aborted the strike. Um Actually, I'm going to let them keep talking for a second, then I'll see if they clear this up for me. A U.S. official said the military feared the car would leave again and go into an even more crowded street or to the airport itself. The drone operators, who hadn't been watching Ahmadi's home at all that day, quickly scanned the courtyard and said they saw only one adult male talking to the driver and no children. 
they decided this was the moment to strike. So from the time that a missile is fired to the time that it hits the target can take 30 to 45 seconds. Commonly, I'd average that out to about 30 seconds. So from the from the time that they decided to fire the missile, that would give 30 seconds, which is a long time for things to happen, for people to run out from inside the house into the car. I would be kind of devastated to learn that they lied about only seeing one individual in the courtyard. Um, so the, the moments of the missile being fired to the time that it hit the car, I'm curious about those that timeline of events, but there should be footage. All of that should be recorded and available for review, especially from a strike like that. They would be taking pictures. They would be recording the video. That video would be getting streamed to plenty of different people. There should be no reason why they could not you know, kind of like after a police shooting when they show the dash cam video or the or the body cam video, if this is really in that much in question, they could probably confirm it by sharing some images from that moment. Um, and we'll see if the if the military chooses to do so. That could exonerate them from a lot of this criticism. But if and if they don't do it, then who knows? <laughs> A U.S. official told us that the strike on Ahmadi's car was conducted by an MQ-9 Reaper drone that fired a single Hellfire missile with a 20-pound warhead. We found remnants of the missile, which experts said matched a Hellfire at the scene of the attack. In the days after the attack, the Pentagon repeatedly claimed that the missile strike set off other explosions and that these likely killed the civilians in the courtyard. Significant secondary explosions from the targeted vehicle indicated the presence of a substantial amount of explosive uh, material. Because there were secondary explosions, there's a reasonable uh, conclusion to be made that there was explosives in that vehicle. Secondaries are common. If you do strike a target that is full of explosives, secondaries are very common. They can go off, um, you know, all at once, or they could go off over the course of an hour, something like that. Secondary is very, very common, very, very common. So when you strike a vehicle with a Hellfire, if you're, a, if you're an experienced operator, you have this expectation of what that's going to look like. And it becomes apparent when you hit a vehicle that's full of uh, explosives. You're going to see a much more significant blast. Um, and then if you have a bl an initial blast and then a second, a third, a fourth going in, especially if they project in different directions and come out of different parts of the vehicle, you can make a good assessment that you did strike explosives because you're getting those secondaries. But a senior military official later told us that it was only possible to probable that explosives in the car caused another blast. We gathered photos and videos of this. I don't know what that jargon possible to probable means. That's just mumbo jumbo talk as far as I'm concerned, Le legal, legal mumbo jumbo taken by journalists and visited the courtyard multiple times. We shared the evidence with three weapons experts who said the damage was consistent with the impact of a Hellfire missile. They pointed to the small crater beneath Ahmadi's car and the damage from the metal fragments of the warhead. This plastic melted as a result of a car fire triggered by the missile strike. All three experts also pointed out what was missing any evidence of the large secondary explosions described with the Pentagon. No collapsed or blown out walls, including next to the trunk with the alleged explosives. Yeah, I was looking at that too. If you think about it, 
you would have, n- n- there would be nothing left. If, there, if that car was packed full of HME, now that I think about it, if that car was packed full of HME and they were planning to use this thing as a V-bed or a bunch of suicide bombers, after a V-bed like that goes off, there is no more car. It's just gone. So the fact that that car is looking the way it does is, in my opinion, consistent with a single Hellfire for what that's worth to you guys. No sign that a second car parked in the courtyard was overturned by a large blast. No destroyed vegetation. All of this matches what eyewitnesses told us, that a single missile exploded and triggered a large fire. There is one final detail visible in the wreckage, containers, identical to the ones that Ahmadi and his colleague filled with water and loaded into his trunk before heading home. Even though the military said the drone team watched the car for eight hours that day, a senior official also said they weren't aware of any water containers. The Pentagon has not provided the Times with evidence of explosives in Ahmadi's vehicle or shared what they say is the intelligence that linked him to the Islamic State. But the morning after the U.S. killed Ahmadi, the Islamic State did launch rockets at the airport from a residential area Ahmadi had driven through the previous day. And the vehicle they used was a white Toyota. I think the Times is implying there that this could be a mistaken identity. It's, it's really difficult to track vehicles through urban areas as they're making turns and as so many vehicles are so similar, color, make, and model and all that. It's the job of the operator of the platform that's viewing this to be very clear that they either have 100% confirmation that their eyes never went off that target or that their eyes did go off the target and now they're only thinking it is likely the same, but they can't guarantee it. The U.S. military has so far acknowledged only three civilian deaths from its strike and says there is an investigation underway. They have also admitted to knowing nothing about Hamadi before killing him, leading them to interpret the work of an engineer at a U.S. NGO as that of an Islamic State terrorist. Four days before Ahmadi was killed, his employer had applied for his family to receive refugee resettlement in the United States. At the time of the strike, they were still awaiting approval. Looking to the U.S. for protection, they instead became some of the last victims in America's longest war. Hi, I'm Evan, one of the producers of this story. Our latest visual investigation began with word on social media of an explosion near Kabul airport. It turned out that this was a U.S. drone strike, one of the final acts in the 20-year war in Afghanistan. Our goal was to fill in the gaps in the Pentagon's version of events. We analyzed exclusive security camera footage and combined it with eyewitness accounts and expert analysis of the strike aftermath. You can see more of our investigations by signing up for our newsletter. Wow, that is, that's brutal. I see Nikki MGTV in the chat. What's up? So let me go back and uh, talk about these comments here. Let's see, let's see. Let's see, let's see. Where did I leave off on comments? 
Sorry, guys, that I didn't, wasn't replying to comments during the video. I want to get my thoughts out there. Let's see. I was forced to shave in sub-zero climates. Uh, Michael Flynn sounding like he sports a Myanmar-style coup. I did not hear anything about that. I attempted to do it in my sleeping bag. didn't work out. There's a book called Find, Fix, and Finish that details about drone strikes and how indiscriminate killing of civilians is creating more enemies. Not that we never knew that yet. Bomb on, bomb, oh yeah, bomb on grid versus bomb on laser. Some missiles are so accurate, a dud missile can kill a man. And some missiles go off exactly as they're supposed to and everyone walks away. I'm telling you what I've seen with my own eyes. Good night, Evian, if you're still out there. You've got to use the right hellfire for a specific environment in order to be effective. Yes, penetrating, blasts on impact, air burst. Absolutely, lots of types. Let's see. I remember that one time on Top Gear, they took a Toyota Hilux and drowned it, burned it, crushed it, and it still ran a good drive. The AK of cars, yeah. And there's also hellfire missile type that have no explosives, but instead have multiple blades. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, Sam. Do you all remember that one time where there was an ISIS footage where they used the plumber's old Toyota? Oh, yes. I remember that. That poor guy. So typical when we call in close air support, the JTAC must authorize the pilot to release their ordinance with either a cleared hot or cleared to engage. I'm not sure if it's different for drones. Um, there's usually someone on the ground who is uh, the ground force commander. That is true. Who's responsible for an AO. Uh that doesn't have to be true because obviously we conduct drone strikes around the world, you know, based off of intelligence. But there, there, all of that, um, all of that air, all of those air assets could be controlled by somebody who's a national coordinator. So like everybody in the AO reports to one coordinator who's responsible for all those assets and gives them their tasking, and that could be somebody who is so far detached from that current ground situation that they might as well be back in the United States. But usually there is, in a stack of aircraft, a FAC-A or a JTAC or somebody who is coordinating strikes. It doesn't have to be, but there very well could have been a ground force commander in contact with, uh, with the uh, air asset. And they're saying, sir, we've got this. Do you want us to strike or do you want us to continue to watch? Something like that. It's not clear who ultimately authorized that strike. Um, at what level it was authorized at. But we had to go through so much, so many layers of approval for so many strikes that ultimately, and a lot of times they ultimately got denied. In Iraq, we did like hundreds of, of strikes on ISIS. In Afghanistan, it was much more difficult to strike something unless we were in a tick. It was, uh, it was way harder in Afghanistan in 2013 and 14. But if, um, but if we were in Iraq and it was an ISIS target, we could get these strikes approved pretty quickly just by, you know, PID, but there was always a long kill chain, but the process of moving through that kill chain was very efficient. So we did have to, uh, seek quite a bit of approval at high levels. So we had a, we had a JTAC, a ground force commander, all of that. If we were in a kinetic situation, a ground force commander can authorize strikes that they sign off on. But if it's not, then there is a whole process and it's hard to say what happened here. I don't want to try to guess. Max worked with drones. He would know the answer if drone strikes require a fact on the ground. Oh, yeah. There's the answer. That's the best I can do. Because there typically aren't anyone adjusting the fires to those drones on the ground. Except for the other aircraft. These strikes are occurring in remote areas at high frequency. Unlikely if we had guys on the ground to call those fires. Yeah, I think we probably... I probably did my best to, to answer that. Another awesome book called Level Zero Heroes detailed the insane amount of red tape facts would have to go just to get the authorization to bomb a target even under heavy fire. Oh, 
I'll have to check that out. Thank you very much. It seems poor intel with lots of pressure due to recent events resulted in this tragedy. Yeah, F- probably fear, like Stu Shelter said earlier. Probably a fear factor of another attack killing more Americans. Um, I don't know. I don't know what intel they had at the time. Let's see, 20 pounds, that's like 10 kilos. 10 kilos is about 22 pounds. Let's see. For a bomb, 50 kilos is considered light. True, very true. Bombs are really big. Uh, This is probably the saddest mistake I've seen by the military, given all the context around this one. This is brutal, terrible. If it burned, it's hard to determine. A couple airport evacuation events would make an interesting movie. There should be residue of the apparent IED detonation that can be tested for. Yes, I came here for the Stuart Scheller story. You'll have to watch the, the when I post the video later. Let's see. Hang on. I somehow skipped some stuff. Actually, we use the verbiage known, possible, and probable in terms of likely enemy contact, known. Yes, so that's a good explanation, Sam. And I don't know who said that or if they are using it that way. Um, there's stuff like the way we use the word should and shall in military writing um, and caution, warning, uh, note and all that stuff are, are all very, very specifically intended words, but it, it depends in the situation that they're used to and the context that they're used in that. I don't know what they, uh, I don't know what the context was that they were, that those words were used one to two K we would drop 500 pound bombs all day long, but we use those words when it comes to offensive based maneuvers. Let's see. Tracking is confusing AF. Oh yeah. Tracking is really difficult. Literally, if we stopped the shipping of Toyotas to the Middle East, these terrorist, terrorist organizations would crumble. Saw seven deaths yesterday, I believe, in, in where? There should be residue of the, uh, yep, yep, yep. Let's see. Terrible. Applying for refugee status doesn't mean anything. Um, now, this is a sour ending. So much t- tastes like battery acid. This is probably the saddest mistake I've seen by military. Better be a good story ending coming. I believe the government is screwed up. Sorry, Marine. Got to go, SD. Have a good night. There's also far worse killings connected to the U.S. military that have received little or no publicity. That's true. Max almost had 30 viewers. Let's go. What's the scuttlebutt from your side? Max responds to me. I am the captain now. <laughs> uh, thanks for clearing that up, Max. Yeah, you got it. So when are we getting this uh, grid of autonomous drones over there so we can get that lithium? There you go. 30 likes, Max will read 10 Japanese poems in Japanese. Hey, Nikki, did you serve the green side or blue side as a corpsman? If green, what units are you with? Just curious. Do you give Max okay to strike? I'm with the Marines now. I won't dox myself putting my unit out there. Why am I not surprised that the New York Times would conclude that the U.S. military was wrong? I'll tell you, Eric, I think the New York Times did a great job there. I think the New York Times has done a great job on other stuff, too. Like we talked about, if you guys were there for me reading the first chapter of my book, the New York Times unveiled the story about the uh, taxi cab driver murdered in the BTIF um, by soldiers. You got to give credit where credit's due. 30 people here. Let's go. I like it. The stream's uh, doing really good today, actually. So I did have one more story today for Justin, but it's, a, it's about to be 1130 in the morning out here, and I have to go pick my dog up from the groomers. So I have to get going. Um, really quick, here is a teaser for tomorrow. We're going to cover this story tomorrow. We are going to have a good story um, to go over. Don't worry, guys. I will make it up to you tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to talk about this gentleman right here who is going to go down in history as one of the worst cases of stolen valor of all time. But there is a happy ending because he did get busted. And we're going to talk all about it tomorrow because we're about to sign out for today. 
I hate to break your guys' hearts. I'm going to end it with that. That's going to be the happy story. That's going to make us feel better. They did get a guy for Stolen Valor, and it's one of the craziest stories of Stolen Valor I've ever heard. So stay tuned because that story's coming up. Wait, not tomorrow. On Wednesday, my time, because tomorrow we have special guests. So make sure you guys are... are uh, Notifications on and reminders set for the event tomorrow, episode 228. It's going to be amazing. We're going to argue with each other about beards in the military, and it's going to be fantastic fun. Epic. Cannot wait. So make sure you guys are here for that one. The best audience ever is the Scuttlebush Show audience. You guys are rock stars. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here today. I hope I did a good job explaining some of that stuff for you with my knowledge on, uh, on, on drone flying and drone strikes and all that all that jazz. I'll repost this video as a clip so you guys can go back and rewatch it. But it's it, really, it is a tragic story of uh, some of the final deaths with the American mission in Afghanistan. It is, uh, it is unfortunate. So guys, like this video, subscribe to this channel, consider becoming a member. I would love to get you guys on board as members of this channel. Click that join button right below this video and you can become members. You can become patrons. If you go to patreon.com, become an elite patron on your second month of being a patron, free t-shirt and you can't beat that. As well as uh, if, you, if, you come, if you become a member of this channel, you automatically get a 10% discount at the online store that you can start using to buy stuff like the Okinawa Ramen shirt right here and more. Harry Lime Pie with a $1.99 Super Chat. Thank you so much as we're getting ready to sign out today. Members, patrons, merch, mo way more merch is coming out, you guys. We're, we're about to have an entire online store of merch. And you know all my t-shirts are extremely high quality, comfortable, athletic wear, fitted, you know, sleeves are fit just right to make you look as fit as possible. You guys know the deal. Super posh. Sorry, I just joined late. Please post conversation. Uh, stay tuned after this uh, video is over for me to post the clips from today's video. That will be uh, great for you guys to catch up on. And for now, that's going to about wrap it up. Thank you, Harry Lime Pie, at the end there. And thank you, Justin, as well, for that super chat. MC, all the patrons and members, you guys are great. Thank you. Nikki, it's great to see you in the chat. Thanks for stopping by. Super posh. Make sure you are super poo. Not super posh. Super poo. Sorry, my old man eyes couldn't let me see there. Make sure you're here tomorrow for our special conversation we're going to have about beards in the military. It's going to be epic. With all that being said, thank you guys for joining me today. I had a great time. I hope you did too. We had some serious conversations. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Stu Scheller as well as on the drone strike in Afghanistan. But for now, that's it. I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. And until next time, that's the Scuttlebutt.